in the world of the 24-hour news cycle, where every story is given the same amount of urgency and magnitude. One podcast dares to say, uh, hold on just a second. This week and every week, we look back at the headlines, moments, and trends from six months ago, and we ask our panel, let's process this. I'm your host, Chris Pappas. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Let's Process This. I am super excited this week. I'm going to be able to bring in two brand new guests, one joining us from the East Coast and one joining us from the West Coast. We'll say hello to our West Coast guest first. That is Jonathan Bradley Welch, an occasional comic and former actor who is now serving as the vice president of the Stonewall Democrats. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. And joining us from the East Coast down in Hell's Kitchen, you can find him on Instagram and more recently on TikTok. He's also been a contributing writer on some incredible shows and a multiple-time moth storytelling winner, Grand Slam winner. Jay Michael is here. Jay Michael, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. All right, let's get started with our first section. This week and every week, we ask our guests to bring in something from their algorithm in a segment that we like to call Chronically Online. This is a way to get to know our guests just a little bit better. All right, Jonathan, what did you bring in for us this week? So I think that the, that my life has come to a place where I'm no longer really a serious person. So the algorithm is showing me just two things at all times. Videos of people falling, like in catastrophic and and beautiful ways, and then also beefy weightlifters. And so the thing that the, the the place where this like kind of came together, the cross section of these two things is a video that uh, that my ex and I shared with each other because we're always sending each other uh, videos of people falling. And it is a woman at a CrossFit gym who is trying to get the bar up and it drops and then something appears on her leg that looks almost like there's a cell phone in her thigh um, and the the beginning of immense pain just washes over her face. And I almost passed out for a minute. Um, and I realized I've gone too far that these two things that just keep coming up on the algorithm, people getting people falling, people getting hurt. It's just it's gone too far. And this was revolting. So that's what I really wanted to bring um, to share with you guys today. And uh, I think I need to take a break. I think I need to take a full social media break for a while. As somebody who actually just did a full social media break, actually, that's not true. I was on Be Real the entire time, but I don't feel like Be Real counts. And I can say 10 out of 10. Or, or just like you post it on other social media platforms, like you post your Be Real onto Instagram. I, I do not. No, I keep my Be Real on my Be Real. I'm a, I'm a Be Real purist. Like... I do feel like that is such a common thing when you hear people who are like, oh, no, I'm taking a full social media break. And then there's always but and there's like one thing that they're like hanging on to. And so it's like it's like I, I never met someone who's like, I'm fully off. It's always like I'm fully off, but maybe Instagram once a week or I'm fully off and I still do be real. You know, no one ever sees a fully commit to be off. Yeah, like I'm still I'm, I'm off, but I also have to manage my dog's Instagram account. So I'm going to be on that. So you can catch me on that. Yeah, and, but not on my own. Here's how it gets really bad. You're off of like the major ones, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat. And then you find yourself scrolling through Venmo because you just need like a fix of scroll. It's 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 bad. It's real bad. All right. 
enough about my life. Let's switch on over to Jay Michael. What did you bring in for us today, Jay Michael? I actually think I'm maybe the opposite of Jonathan in that I am diving fully headfirst into social media again. Uh, like you, you jokingly said, I've, I've rejoined TikTok and I'm sort of uh, taking that, you know, pretty active on that. But the opposite of, of Jonathan as well is I don't get fun videos. I'm getting like, I get a lot of like, some Republican hearing and they're being like trolled by some other senator or, you know, like the, the one I was watching right beforehand is there's a there was a woman, I think she was in Tennessee and she, her Republican colleague sort of starts calling her out on this bill she wrote about how she doesn't want sexualities in the classrooms taught. And he's like, so we can't talk about Marsha Washington. And she just like fully like collapsed as a human person uh, in that line of questioning. And I think like part of it is because like the world around us is on fire. And so like. I like that sort of fix of like, yeah, but I also am very aware how kind of maybe unhealthy that is because it definitely is like a bubble and nothing really ever comes out of that other than like, it almost is like the opposite of own the libs, you know what I mean? It's it's that sort of behavior. So even though my, I'm a silly person, my TikTok thinks I'm like very serious because I get a lot of that and a lot of like women doing like multi-part stories about how they like escape their cult ex-husband. You know, it's, it's a, my TikTok doesn't seem to line up with who I am on TikTok and I'm not really sure why there's such a disconnect, but I would like to get maybe like hot wrestlers, uh, Jonathan, if you could let me know how those could start popping up my I'll feed. send you some some suggestions, some videos, and then see what happens and then it'll all come to you. But yeah, so that that's probably, that's what I'm bringing to the table is, is his political drama i always recommend a woman on tiktok named cliff notes girl who literally just gives you any like multi-long story she does it in three minutes and she's like okay thanks bye and i love her and she just she just gets right to the chase so shout out to her maybe we'll have her on the podcast someday we'll have a very short episode let's head on into our first story of the evening Although she'll forever be remembered in my heart as having the 11 o'clock number in Diana, the musical, one could argue that Queen Elizabeth's effect on pop culture and history reached beyond the footlights of the Longacre Theater. Sitting atop of the throne starting in 1952, her reign came to an end in early September of 2022. Yes, it has been six months since the word London Bridge is down were uttered and Britain's longest ruling monarch was laid to rest. Our first topic of the evening is the death of Queen Elizabeth, a queen that has been Queen of England for our entire lives and probably most of our parents' lives has transitioned across the bridge. The rainbow bridge for the queen. Meeting I all mean, the corgis. It's better than it's better than a lot of options. Yes, this is true. Let's hope she's with those corgis. I remember after she died, uh, there was like a there was like a rumor going around that that they were going to kill the corgis, basically. Like it was because like, like do you remember when she like right after she died, it was like mass craziness with the articles. Like there was just so much stuff. And I do remember like reading this thing about like what what's going to happen with the corgis. And I mean, it probably is a parody article, but just made me laugh of there being like, nope, she's got, she's taking them with her. That that's that's <laughs> like she's an ancient pharaoh. Like instead, though, the corgis ended up living with Prince Andrew, and I don't know what's worse, like being put to sleep or having to go live with yeah. that pedophile. I'm not sure. They're just tiny spies. I mean, I feel like it's it seems like it was sooner, or like it doesn't seem as long as six months since she's died, but. I think part of that also is less like her death and more like all the drama with Harry and Andrew and Charles. Like 
I feel like that has like sort of extended what what I would be considering like her death and her funeral. But the actual like death and the I don't even remember sort of the funeral. I remember it was a big deal for a lot of people. But that that I think that piece of it is sort of long gone. But we're I feel like we're still in the muck of like Charles and the coordination and the chaos of that. And and I I do think what I find interesting so so much is that I think that right after she died, there seemed to be all these questions about like, do we even need the monarchy? There's some very strong opinions. And that sort of has like died down and disappeared. I don't really feel like I don't really feel like I thought that was kind of everyone kind of thought like when she died, that was gonna be like the big push of like, why do we have this? And it seems like maybe I'm I'm missing it, but it seems like over there they seem to all just be like, oh, I guess it's Charles now. Let's just like make sure he's reined in as much as she reined herself in. So I I yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised by that. I kind of thought we'd get more more of a kind of a six months of a, a real question of why do we have monarchies and imperialism and sort of that and we don't we really didn't we got it for like a, a couple of weeks after she died and then sort of it all just kind of got quiet again i feel like we as americans we questioned that because we questioned that 250 years ago too and now we're like well why do you guys need this but if there's anybody that's going to be like well let's just keep on with it it's the british it's also a huge tourist industry as well so it's kind of like a massive part of their economy and suddenly shutting down the monarchy or unwinding from the monarchy is this huge blow to their economy and rereading the articles about what was going on six months ago i was like oh right the liz truss of it all as well when they had that prime minister for like not not even 90 days and then she she was like sworn in the queen died and then she was like i'm out like that insanity going on as well i remember there was a meme when uh when she was greeting liz truss at balmoral which was the first time apparently that it hadn't been done at buckingham palace um because she was ill and she she had to stay at balmoral so liz truss goes there and there was this meme that was just like a thought bubble over the queen's head that was like dear god not another one there's just so many so many <laughs> prime ministers so many conservative leaders have come and gone um in the last few years so yeah if if liz truss is not liz truss isn't going to be remembered for anything positive but at least she was there for that i also think it's like that article pointed out that you know harry showed up like that he was with his father and william like when she died you know he flew separately but and you can see sort of in those articles we're reading like the starting of the some of these grumblings but she really was holding them together because it's amazing in six months how much from the royal family they have like fully ostracized him his father has like basically like taken his house away gave it to his pedophile brother you know what i mean like really really has made some bold quick changes to his own to, to the whole sort of lineup um, where she, you know, and it, I just—it seems so quick when you think about it. That's only been six months, and that they've they've estranged themselves so much in like the books and the talking tours and everything. And how I guess they kind of were just waiting for her to pass before all this kind of hit the fan. I think it's also wild that now they're talking about dropping the consort title from Camilla, and it's like, oh, you just needed to let the dust settle there a little bit before you ended up, you know, just foisting her queenhood onto the the nation or the commonwealth yeah there's a whole thing with um there's a play a long time ago called king, king charles the third that was on broadway briefly you know the whole concept of that was that he he wanted like in the play he wants more power he thinks that the monarchy should actually be in charge of of london uh, you know britain etc um but there's some truth to that apparently in that one of the big things that they're really trying to do is that he has a very clear idea of who he has wanted to be as king and, and all this stuff and 
So the concern is less, like I was saying before, like, should we even have it? And more like, they're just trying to hold Charles kind of back, uh, I think, long enough till he dies uh, and not have him, like, damage it. Because he seems very, wanting to be much more active than she was. And I think that's more the concern for everyone. Because, you know, like, like you know, love her or hate her, and she, she was very polarizing for a lot of people. She definitely, like, played the role that she created and, like, kind of did it for so long that any real shakeup in sort of the Camilla-Charles thing, and they're not very well-liked, can really, could, would really shake that, I think, the whole whole foundation of what, the, like you said, the tourist industry, right? Like, they, they kind of are keeping them because they have to keep, they don't seem to have much love for them as as a couple, or he's he's definitely not well-regarded, you know? The, the flip side of that, though, is that his is that his big passion is global warming and environmentalism. So the kind of flip side of that is that he's kind of going all in on something that's at least not terrible. <laughs> like, so like, what is it like to have a monarch in 2023 who is testing the bounds of their power to do something that actually potentially could help global warming and uh, climate change? So it also raises a question of like, what does it look, you know, if somebody is trying to stretch their powers for good? But of course, also, they are at the end of the day a monarch. And we, <laughs> and it's like, what, what role do, can that play in a modern world? Yeah, I mean, he's going to be clawing his sausage fingers through the muck to get to whatever, you know, power he can get. And, and potentially, yeah, some of it is good because he does care about very modern concerns that uh, that his parents really did not care about. So I think there could be something good. And he, he is older um, and he does have heart issues, which is why his fingers look like that arguably um so you know so who knows how long he's gonna be in charge for um but hopefully he does do some good with it he waited long enough certainly it just makes me sad that that hairdo will only be worn by one person you know like to get back to the queen herself and she's been gone uh for six months and that hairdo was with us for for 70 years um and never changed and you know it's so unique. I don't know. Things come back. Gen, Gen Z is dressing like I did in high school. So, I mean, <laughs> it's only a matter of time before, you know, whoever's below Gen Z is just rocking the Queen Elizabeth you know, Queen Elizabeth cut, you know? Yeah, that's just like the next gen or the late Gen Z trend is that they they lean, like, really hard into, like, old lady white. Yeah. That dower countess, dower countess realness, you know. I am, I am interested to see how long it takes them to replace her on the money, though. Because I do... I do feel like people really don't want Charles on their money. And they just rather just be like, can we just keep Elizabeth for a while? Oh, I went to Canada in October and I made it a point to hold on to a $20 bill so that I could have a relic of, of the Elizabethan age with, uh, with her on the money. Uh, because I don't know how long it's going to take. Um, some country, I think Australia is one of the countries that actually is not going to put the monarch on the money after this so they decided to actually put like aboriginal figures and historical figures from within their own country on the money that actually politically a lot a lot of once she died there's been a lot of countries that have now separated or distanced themselves that fell under that imperial umbrella um but you know the big question what i said earlier was what's definitely not changed is that like sort of England as a whole has not sort of decided. I think they've decided to say like, well, we'll just keep on trucking, you know. Um, but a lot of like these smaller countries sort of have been like, okay, we're good, thanks. She, she, you know, she, she was great. We're good now. We don't need we don't need any more help. You know, bye. 
Yeah, like Andorra, they can, or or if that's even still a country or still part of the uh, the Commonwealth, like countries like that, especially Australia. Australia has had a long history of creating referendums and having them almost pass um, to to rid themselves of the monarchy or to separate themselves. So who knows what shall happen? If there are any Canadians listening, write in. Let us know what y'all feel because i feel like canada's just very much just like i don't know as long as as long as it's not messing things up we're good to go that's kind of the vibe i get but we're also kind of like proving um through like the case study of, of american politics why like having some kind of a neutral sovereign body is is important so that you know the, so the politics don't really derail the entire direction of the country uh so they may be onto something it may not be yeah. Look, look, we have some we have some families who would love to be the the you know, if they got the power to hold on to it, uh, as we have seen, uh, some of them got very close. And so, you know, I guess that it's good if you ha- in, in one case, they have already set this is the monarch. So you can't have like the Trumps or the Kardashians sort of become their own, you know, their, their own royal family. Uh, you know, there's something stopping them there. Early in September of 2022, the headlines were dominated by stories of natural disasters, from the devastating floods in Pakistan to the raging wildfires in California. But these disasters paled in comparison to the news coverage of our next story. We not only transport you back six months, but we also take you to Venice, Italy, where the Olivia Wilde-directed film Don't Worry Darling made its premiere, with Florence Pugh and Harry Styles leading... Its premiere had more controversies and chaos surrounding it than a Dan Brown novel. We are going to see if we are ready to process the premiere of Don't Worry Darling. I feel like for a solid week, I could not escape this story. It was like every time I turned on a device, there was some new part of this story being broken. Everything from this cast not talking to each other to Harry Styles spitting on someone. Meanwhile, in the background were like all of these stories about like natural disasters and chaos. And it just this crazy moment where I was like, oh, we have moved into a new era, kind of post-COVID pandemic, where suddenly we're back to salacious celebrity gossip. And this felt like that first time where people were suddenly in on just a big, juicy celebrity story. I feel like I've been Florence Pugh in situations in my life where I have been, I've found myself working on a project or working in a place or being part of something where there's something that I just did not sign up for happening around me. And so, and and that's distracting from the main objective of what we're trying to do here. So I have to jump in and help us get this thing finished. And then once it is, I want nothing to do with these people ever again. So I, as I've read through all of that again and revisited it six months later, I think I've realized that I, I feel for her, I think, more than anyone else. And I also appreciate kind of how she was just so unflappable about the whole thing. Like she showed up when she absolutely had to and she didn't, you know, really go into detail about it. She didn't fuel the fires. I think she did say a few things that people like read deeply into, but she wasn't out there really causing too many issues. I mean, I think she, well, I think she uh, fueled the fires in her own way. Like, I like, so I, 
I think like the whole thing where she like posted a photo, like they were like, oh, she can't only she can't make the talk panel. She can only make the movie premiere because she's filming another movie. And then like immediately she posts on Instagram, like a photo of her, like walking down the street with an Aperol spritz. Yeah. Like clearly she's there. Um, so I think she was I think she was really fun. I I have to admit that I had heard the story that was happening. Obviously, it was big enough that it was like just in the zeitgeist. But I didn't know until I read the articles that Chris had sent out sort of reminding me of that like what had happened. So I sort of started reading it. And I remember I'm like reading it. And the more me, I'm like, and then what happened? And then wait, what happened? And then wait. And then like you get to the part and, and it's Nick like, Kroll was there for the yeah, entire thing. Harry Styles like bit on Chris Pine, but then also like part of the reason why this movie fell apart was because that like they were dating, but now they're not dating. So now three of them are all separated by different people and there's no photos of them together. And like, it just like seemed to just keep going and go. And then also I'm like, Nick Cole's making out with Harry Styles for some reason. And I think that like, there was a level where looking at it of like, probably why it became such a big thing is I think that after the pandemic or even during the pandemic, like social media has become, we've become so more like these, we have so much more access to people, I think. And I think that like these are some of the these at the time, it's like some of the biggest stars, uh, you know, in sort of one movie directed by a very well-known actress as well. And it it seems a lot of it was almost like because we had an inside story, people became obsessed with it because it's almost like we know them now. Like we're we're getting the behind the scenes, like what's going on. And so and it and it just kept going. And so I think that like there was a fueling of it by them. Uh, but not intentionally. And I think we're so used to being marketed to that when we see these like press conferences and all this other stuff, you know that like the buddy buddies of like certain actors are just doing it for the interviews because that's going to sell tickets or like the actresses who are fawning over each other or there's like the fake drama. And this seems like they unintentionally just kept making it worse. Uh, yeah. And I, that's what was so fascinating by it. Like, it was like Sideshow Bob stepping on the rails. Yeah, they like it's almost like they kept just fueling into the controversy by their own weird mistakes or decisions. Um, and so it was like literally watching, like you said, like a bunch of a bunch of coworkers who didn't like each other have to push through an event and they just didn't do a good job hiding it very well. And the, and yet at the same time, we're doing all the Hollywood ass cover lovely language, but then like just glaring at each other at photo shoots, you know? <laughs> it just it did seem really uncomfortable. And I think I've realized through the whole thing that Harry Styles is probably not a very good actor because he's not applying any of first of all, he hasn't acted in really anything. This was his second film, and he's really trying to be marketed someone who can cross over from music into into acting. And a big part of that is like you really have to put on a good face while you're here at all these events and he's and he was unable to do that part of the best drama the, for me the funniest part of all of it was when he and chris pine had to do the interview together yes. and he said the best chris part pine. about this it movie was so brilliant. That it was it's so like brilliant. a movie and chris pine just checks out as a human person like he wasn't chris pine wasn't even like an he wasn't even like an actor like he just literally just was like nothing was there nothing was going on anymore and i think that like that for me was the funniest because at that point you could just tell that the train was off the rails and like some of them, like Chris Vine, were just just hanging on till the end. Like didn't know what what was gonna happen next. And so it was like, okay, here I am. I'm doing my job, but I don't know why, you know. Oh, I so see you, you say you're they're they're doing their job, but like they're not paid to do this stuff. It's just kind of like in their, you know. They're not being paid anymore. They got whatever they made to make the money. And now it's kind of like, now you go do press for this. Because if you don't do press for this, you don't get, you know, and it just becomes this kind of machine. And yeah, I think, 
I, you know, was pretty neutral on Chris Pine. I, the, I think the only thing I can really think of him being in was, was Wonder Woman, but certainly as a human being, my, my appreciation of him went up when I saw him have a really human moment of just being like, I'm gone. I'm out. <laughs> and just like, check out just like all of us do on zoom meetings, probably once a week. It's, I forgot about the whole line. This is a movie. That's like a movie that you go to the theaters and see and how he, he thought that that was so profound. It really, it, it, I, I was getting into a moment, I think six months ago where I was like, okay, I think I can get into Harry Styles. I can get into this music. And then all of this stuff happened. And I was like, maybe, maybe I can't. I also think that you're, you're dealing with people like Florence and uh, even Olivia in some cases, or Chris Pine, who are like professional professionals. And so they're kind of playing the game, but it's falling apart around them. And someone like Harry's in there. And I think the thing about like Harry Styles down, and, and this is something I just like started to feel over the last, I don't know, a couple of months or whatever is, Every decision it seems like that he presents seems almost like it was it's like created or decided by a committee and he is sort of just going along with it. Like I think even down to the like wearing the dresses on the cover of magazines, like everything seems very like thought through and like even the movie decisions they made, like have him play a gay policeman. He's like, he, you know what I mean? Like there's like it's it's just sort of try to create him as I think more of like. Uh, a, a beyond a pop star, you know, more like he's a serious actor. And I think this was the beginning and sort of the end of everyone realizing, like you said, like, I mean, he's fine, but he's not great. And he's never going to be profound. And like, it's almost, it almost is like in the midst of all this drama, you know, he, he was just there and and a cause of it, but also didn't know how to respond to it or deal with it, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And, and I think that that was reading all this stuff. I think he seemed like the most out of his element um, in terms of, Having created, seemingly created the, the the drama between the two women, and then also not really understanding that at all or how to respond to it, you know, it, it, even if they had broken up or whatever, you know, by that point. There also started being kind of like, you know, again, more kind of conspiracies. That it's like that all of this was scripted as well, that this was just like, like you said, we're so used to being marketed in such kind of a basic way that it's like, how do we grab attention? And it's just like, oh, We'll have the star, A-list stars, mega stars of this movie fighting. The Oscars were last night, and none of, I mean, I didn't, I did not watch it because I was on a train, which is a different story. You know, this movie was not nominated, and from what I, you know, read of the coverage, none of these stars were anywhere kind of to be seen. So this movie kind of fell out just immediately once it hit the theaters. Yeah, but I think the fervor from it was because we're so used to these sort of fake marketing, the, you know, the stars are fighting or they're whatever to kind of get the publicity. And this, I think the film festival was so fascinating to everyone because it seemed like this was not planned. And they, in fact, were trying really hard to sort of go with a different idea of like, we all respect each other. We're all these very talented actors. You know, we're very busy, but everything is fine. What you're hearing is created by the media. You know, the media has created this story and then it then in front of the media while saying that, like, people are posting things on Instagram or, you know, showing up to red carpets and no one will stand next to each other. Like, I don't like it, it, it seemed too real to be fabricated, which is what I think drew people to it versus just like, oh, there's a rumor that this person, you know, is. Uh, you know, a, a diva on set and everyone hates her or this person, this person are secretly dating. Like those things, people, okay, fine. But this seemed much more like, wow, they're they're really falling apart here and trying really hard to act like it's not happening, you know? It's like all playing out like this big spectacular farce almost. Like everybody's just like, you know, doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong things, crossing wires. 
And there were other pieces, the, the thing that you sent to us, Chris, to refresh us about this. Um, I know that there were other things that, that that article didn't cover. Like there was a presser for for the film at one of the festivals. I don't think it was Venice. I think it was maybe another one where Olivia Wilde got served divorce papers from Jason Sudeikis. Like because she or they were separated and going through a divorce and she was served or subpoenaed or something happened in regards to like that. So it was like this other element of her personal life that's being pulled into it. That's unfortunate, but it's all playing out for everyone to see because there's also a romantic relationship that's involved in this film and, and it, behind the scenes of this film. So it's just, it was so messy, spectacularly messy. And I can't believe that it existed. And I, I don't think I'll ever see the film. Have you guys seen the film? No. No. But I mean, the thing you got to remember at the end of the day, if Shia LaBeouf is involved, even for the first couple, you know, rehearsals, you're going to get trauma. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the takeaway. <laughs> Just run, run, run. All right, we're heading into our third topic of the evening. This is our super secret topic. This is a topic that our guests do not know about that happened six months ago that I am springing on them right now to see if they are ready to process in real time. I hope my guests don't read me for this super secret topic today. After all, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Life's candy and the sun's. A ball of butter. That's right. No one's going to rain on her parade because six months ago, Leah Michelle joined the Broadway cast of Funny Girl. As the Ryan Murphy multiverse spills into our timeline, we can only hope that it ends with the sixth season of Glee. Yes, our super secret topic today is Leah Michelle joins the cast of Glee. You cannot see because this is an audio visual, but both of my guests eyes have rolled far back into the back of their heads and they are now returning them to the screen to have a conversation about this all right so we went from one for movie drama to broadway drama and broadway drama is like we don't get it as often but i feel like it's such it's so local you know it's a local for you <laughs> yes a West Coast take and an East Coast take. I would say I think the thing that's been fascinating about it is probably the lack of drama that has sort of happened since she's taken over the show. I think when it all went down, the amount of drama around that, which kind of wasn't really her fault, honestly, some of the drama. I think she has her reputation and uh, she was that drama came from that past reputation of like, She's hard to work with, et cetera, et cetera. I think the drama came from the producers essentially throwing Beanie Feldstein under the bus, you know, as if like somehow it was her fault um, that they had sort of created this mess for her and, and sort of put her in it, you know, and did not have, was not prepared. But I do think like it's interesting because they just came out and said that um, she's going to finish the year. And at the, at the end of her year contract, they're closing the show. And I guess I, I saw recently that, you know, for everyone wanting to hate on Leah Michelle, they've been doing extremely well. And in fact, when she is out, like shows that she is out or weeks that she does not come, the box office drops so significantly that they they like literally have to close the show when she leaves. I also will say real quick, and then I'll, I'll stop talking about this because Chris knows I can get on a Broadway drama soapbox. I have loved that there's um, clearly a, been a social media campaign of like, TikToks from like background dancers who are pretty much you can tell being forced 
to make videos with Leah Michelle, like behind the stage, being like, I love it here. We're all just such friends. Look at this funny hat I'm wearing. And you're like, we, you, no one, you are probably a terror. And about a year from now, there are going to be stories everywhere about like how horrible you were for the rest of your cast. But right now, we're getting these like really forced background assembly members who do not deserve this being made to make TikToks with her as if like, she just is so happy and one of the family. This whole thing reeks of like the Ellen show to me because it was like you you would have you would hear stories of promos being filmed or something and you have audience members in there and then as soon as someone would say cut the like Ellen's face would just like drop and she would just turn into the dark monster she is and I think that that's the same thing's probably happening with Leah Michelle and if I have to just you know process that story i just i feel like the only thing that i have to say is that i didn't want this for leah michelle i didn't want success for leah michelle i like once i heard that she pooped in someone's wig is that right or something yes yes that there was some defecation in 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 a hairpiece on the set of glee you know once i heard about that i realized this is probably someone who i don't think should have a good storied career in show business so to hear that she got the role that she always wanted it's like why why do evil people succeed why are they getting all the things that they want it doesn't make sense to me and i just feel for beanie feldstein and i also to your point jay it's not her fault the producers knew who they were getting can she sing what she what you know what kind of stage presence does she have you cast her you cast her in this musical it's not her fault that you cast her and maybe this was you know something a task that she wasn't entirely up to and instead bringing in someone who has always openly publicly wanted it and treated everyone terribly in her entire career isn't, you know, the best move. So I don't support the show. I'm coming to New York in a couple of weeks. I'm going to try to see it. And I did not want this success for Leah Michelle. Damn it. Just to clarify so that Jonathan doesn't get in trouble. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. She allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly, some point, Leah Michelle threatened to shit in someone's wig. Okay, so she didn't <laughs> and, actually do it. She didn't actually do it. All right. Yeah. Fair, you know what? Fair enough. But even the just threat. so we're covering our bases. All right. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. The threat. The threat was there. I will say for your listeners that as I was going on this tirade, Chris was giving a like "keep going" signal. So I was like, I'm just going to keep going with it. She did shit in the wig. It happened. Apparently, <laughs> but okay. So it it allegedly was just a threat. That's fine. But I think that even like someone making threats like that to fellow cast members, that's obviously creating this very hostile environment um, on, on the set of a TV show or on stage or off stage. And poor, uh, these poor cast members who are, you know, being held captive and made to make videos like, yeah, I can't wait to hear what happened, what actually is happening right now in six months. Because I... Saw I saw the show a week after it opened originally. Beanie was out and her understudy was on. And I that was like, that was kind of, to me, the, the match that lit the fuse on this entire production. Because her understudy was phenomenal. Uh, Julie Banco is her name. And it suddenly became the story 
of the season when it's like, uh oh, the understudy is upstaging, you know, the, the, the NYU grad who's, you know, making her Broadway debut as an understudy is, is, is upstaging the Hollywood movie star that this entire production is based around. I do not think for a moment that Julie Bianco asked for that narrative but that having been said i hope she writes it to the bank and i hope that she continues to kind of catapult to further success i feel bad for beanie to the extent that she she was treated poorly but also i think at the end of the day she's gonna kind of just step away from broadway musicals and continue to make films and that you know that will be good for her yeah i mean i i'm not I'm not worried about her career. I, I'm more, I'm more, I think, um, in terms of like reprocessing it, like the drama that was created is it's very clear when you have someone like Leah Michelle in your show who comes with essentially all this baggage and lots of former people who have worked with her that it has been a pretty well established that she is very hard to work with. And, and they have, the producers have done pretty much everything that there's nothing coming out that's leaking from, from anyone there that she's being hard to work with. I mean, anything, they're working overtime to show that she's like such a pleasure and so great and everyone loves her and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like the same producers almost actively, when they knew they wanted to change, when the show wasn't doing well, sort of like threw Beanie under the bus, you know, to use that phrase again, and sort of was like not really doing much to the point that, I mean... I think if you remember, like, she was supposed to do her contract out. It got shortened. Then she, like, just left after one week. And this is like, oh, they decided to go another direction. I'm gone. And then, like, shortly thereafter, like, all, um, you know, uh, what's her name from Glee? It was like, I'm leaving the show. Jane Lynch. Yeah, Jane Lynch. Like, and it, it really seemed like there was sort of this, like, tumbling down in which the producers were doing everything they could to protect Leah Michelle's reputation in and before the show. And sort of everyone else just kind of was like, well, you were the reason our show was bad. And it's like that they weren't the reason your show was bad. <laughs> and if I could like give myself a slight redemption arc for a second, I feel like there's the possibility that Leah Michelle has learned from past mistakes, from the stories that came out that damaged her other opportunities. And maybe she is actually really pleasant to work with now because she's changed. Maybe. Yeah, let's hope so. I think it's it's hard. It's hard to go from allegedly shitting in wigs to just being a pleasant person but you know people people change being the one who brings in muffins for everyone i don't know yeah, i love that jonathan within this conversation went from like she shitted in wigs to like maybe really great now and everybody loves her backstage <laughs> okay buddy i would say it's probably it's it's more likely gone from gone from being a terror to just being somebody who can show up and do her job and then go home, you know? But at the end of the day, isn't that what we really want for most of our coworkers is just to be able to show up, be like, great, we did this, and then leave? Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't blame the producers on some level. They made the right choice. Like, she's been marketing for this role since we knew her. So putting her in it brought million in. Two million hit. She hits the song, and she sounds like Barbara. And that is really... All they need, and they're sell and they're selling the show. And I mean, you know, when she leaves, they're going to close it. But I think it is. I think it was the drama around it was so much. And I remember like all these theater queens being like, "I will never see her." And now like every one of them has quietly been like, "She actually is really good in it." It's like, oh, so you did go see her <laughs> eventually? And, like, and even I, like, even I, they were like, "They're closing in six months." I was like, uh, 
I kind of do want to see her sing the song now, right? Like, I kind of want to see her do it. I'm sure it's going to be on, like, CBS Great Performances or something. I don't have to necessarily go, but you're right, Jay. I did see all of these people who were, you know, who were just taking such a stand with their, you know, Playbill Instagram posts, like, holding up the Playbill. I'm like, oh, look who's, look who's over there. Look at that. All right, we're going to head into the final section of our show where we ask our guests how they process this. We'll go back to our first story of the evening. That is the death of Queen Elizabeth. All right, Jonathan Jay, have we processed the death of Queen Elizabeth, do you think? I'm going to say no, actually, only because I think that the death of Queen Elizabeth has set off this chain reaction of royal sort of uh, mess and i don't think we're really gonna process frankly the full death of queen elizabeth until king charles dies <laughs> i mean what <laughs> i think i think her death is oh the irony yeah i think i think i honestly feel like everyone is kind of just waiting for william and kate to take over and until that happens i think we're all gonna, gonna still be stuck in the uh you know uh, elizabeth elizabeth timeline you know he is an extension to her, is my feeling. So I don't think we processed it, no. I actually think that the there was such a feeling of permanence around her. This feeling for so many people like she would never go anywhere. I mean, she lived to be 96 years old. And Charles, we think he's very temporary, right? Like he's in his 70s. He has some health concerns. It may not be, you know, it, it may not be very long. Um, so no, I don't think we've processed it. I, I will say too... I didn't mention this earlier, but um, this all happened around my 40th birthday. And my biggest concern was that they were going to have her funeral on my 40th birthday. And I did not want her to overshadow me. Fortunately, that happened. <laughs> her funeral happened the next day. So I was able to have my moment. Good. <laughs> so I, I think personally, I've processed it as a society. I'll go with Jay that we have not. Two things will always stick in my memory from this that, that I'm still processing. One, that the royal beekeeper had to inform the bees of the queen's passing and that the press had to put out press releases asking people to stop leaving marmalade sandwiches because she had lunch with Paddington that one time. And they were like, please, there are roaches everywhere. Yeah, I think they're still cleaning that up. Let's head on to our second story of the evening, the Venice film festival premiere of don't worry darling have we processed this oh yeah this was like a straight to dvd moment i mean it, it, the 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 film itself if we're left with the work product being the film itself the film itself isn't very good and it has a very low score on rotten tomatoes i don't think that any of us are going to you know run out and spend two and a half hours of our lives seeing it um they've all they've all hopefully moved on and so have i uh, 100%. I had processed it when it happened. I, I had to, the article that I read that you sent was the most knowledge I had about it other than something weird had happened with the people in this film. And so I feel like I uh, learned about it today in detail and processed it pretty much before the end of the article. I'm good. If people are interested, there is a long form article on BuzzFeed about this. And it really is like a great five minute fascinating read if you're looking for something to read on the subway. But yeah, I think um, it is interesting how this seemed to be like that one big celebrity story. I don't think we've gotten kind of a salacious celebrity story since this. And even, yeah, the Oscars being last night, it kind of seemed like everything went off without a hitch. And that people were happy with the way that all turned out. 
but yeah, it doesn't seem like people are kind of jonesing for that celebrity gossip the way we kind of were pre-pandemic. And finally, six months ago, Emmy-nominated actress Leah Michelle joined the cast of Funny Girl. Gentlemen, have we processed this? I will never process this. I <laughs> I will never fully process this. I I will also just say, in case you know, uh, to put it out there, while she is Emmy nominated, you know what she has never won, which she wants more than anything, is a Tony. So don't feel that bad, Jonathan. That you know, bad people get good things because she uh, wants a Tony more than anyone in the world, and she does not have one. <laughs> this is true, and to that end, I will always be looking in my rear view for Leah Michelle. Like I feel like I'll always be a little afraid of her. I'll always. I'm afraid she's listening to this. I'm afraid she's heard what I've said, which is why I made my about face and gave us a little bit of whiplash. I hope she's well. Hide your wigs and maybe Chris just put out this version in written format and we should be fine. Yeah, I you know, I think for me it'll be it'll always be a piece of trivia to why the revival of Funny Girls cast recording is the new Broadway cast recording as opposed to the original Broadway cast recording because uh they did not record it with Beanie. <laughs> so they had to use okay. some different language. But you know what? She's going to be fine. She's going to be in the Merrily We Roll Along movie that Richard Linklater's making over the next 30 years. So I'm very excited for 2066 when that comes out. And I think she's going to nail it. I think she's going to knock it out of the park. All right. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me for this episode of let's process this i'm going to ask you real fast if you have any information you'd like to plug and where our listeners can find you we'll start with you jonathan where can our listeners find you uh you can find me on social media platforms at jonathan b welch uh i'm 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 not plugging really much of anything anymore chris i'm just trying to live my life out here you know cultivate joy under a lemon tree do all the things we do out here in los angeles that are calm and fluid that's my life but follow me i'd love to say hi absolutely all right and jay where can they find you uh because i left LA. we know on tiktok yeah because i left LA. i am now in new york uh i am hitting the pavement hard and not sitting under lemon trees uh no i'm just kidding uh yeah no you can find me on tiktok at uh jay is not on tiktok uh or you could find me on instagram at jay is not on instagram i am on both platforms and it's called branding come say hi shows shows that i'm doing in new york will be posted there so see y'all soon <laughs> all right thank you so much for tuning in and listening this week we'll be back in a few weeks with a brand new episode and as always feel free to unplug <laughs> <laughs>